Last time on Either Or. Crazy survivors that are all thrown together in a panic caught up in a shopping mall. How are they going to survive this? Are they going to use their wits? Are they going to use this? They chose a shopping mall rather than a bar. You know, I'll take a bar anytime there. Welcome to another episode of the Either Or Podcast. My name is Steve Baldwin and joining me as always, my lifelong friend and partner on this here show, Chris Evans. Hello, Steve. I am doing great. I am social distancing from the world. I have locked myself away. I have my family. I have my headphones. I have my unlimited iTunes, and I have my rock and roll, and I am ready for today's show. Excellent. Well, you're going to need the rock and roll part for sure, because this is a big, big, big topic we're tackling today, Chris. Beatles versus the Stones, Chris. I am ready. I have listened to so many songs. I'm ready to discuss Mick, Keith, George, John, Paul, Ringo, you name it. Let's go. Let's do it. All right, let's get into this. Joining us on the show today is Jimmy Laram from octrivia.com. Jimmy, welcome to the show. Oh, I'm so excited to be here, you guys. Love the Wretched Hive podcast, and this Either Or podcast is incredible. And to be involved with this, Beatles versus Stones is just, I, I'm thrilled to be invited. Oh, what an honor. Dude, it's it's 50 years in the making, this show. I mean, Beatles versus Stones has been, this has been debated for, what, half a, half a century now, and, and we're going to solve it today. Which one is better, Beatles versus Stones? We're going to figure it out. I think we should. I think that this is something that... <laughs> people argue about all the time and uh, you know the fact that people get to vote on it later oh yeah i mean that's just like satisfying just to go click ha ha my vote counts <laughs> really counts. i've already voted seven times uh so we're so the stones are in the lead <laughs> dang it so i, I take it so chris counts. that must mean that you chris is uh is standing up for the rolling stones i am making the boys boys from kit jimmy that means you have the beatles John, yeah. Paul, George, and Ringo. I thought I was doing ABBA. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> yes, Beatles. The Beatles. John, Paul, George, Ringo, Pete Best. Who else? Phil Spector, Wall of Sound. Oh, all man. these amazing people involved with the Beatles. I can't wait to talk about it. It's going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> it's the boys from Liverpool versus the boys from Kent. Let's do this. Beatles versus Stones. Here we go. Stage is set. The curtain rises. We are ready to begin. Now you want to get nuts? Come on, let's get nuts. Okay, you two punks, I want a good, clean fight. I'm listening. I'm invincible! You're a loony. Tell me something, my friend. You ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight? You talking to me? Slow ahead. I can go slow ahead. Come on down and chump some of this shit. Is it safe? Alright. So each of you will have two minutes for your opening statement. Jimmy, you will go first with the Beatles, followed by Chris, two minutes for the Rolling Stones. We will then have as much time as feels good to have a discussion slash argument slash heated interaction defending Beatles <laughs> versus the Stones. You will then again have two minutes for your closing arguments. Jimmy, again, you'll go first at that point, followed by Chris with his closing argument. Uh, and then we'll leave it up to the listeners to vote who they like better, the Beatles or the Rolling Stones. So we're going to start it off with our guest, Jimmy Laram. You're up. You've got two minutes. Why are the Beatles better than the Stones, Jimmy? Well, here's what I got. Here's what I feel. 
The Beatles versus the Stones. The Stones are, of course, incredible. I am not going to disparage them today. No way. But I am going to tell you why the Beatles are better. Things that touch me with them, first of all and foremost, this may not be important to people, but catchy tunes and melodies. The way they write songs. Their songs stick in your head more than the Stones. So I think that that's something they over the Stones for sure. Also, I believe that they're kind of more evolutionary. They came up with a revolutionary, sorry, <laughs> not evolutionary, but then again, they are. They're very creative. They've created things musically that no one else ever has. I mean, they have, coming out of their music, so many other bands, so many other artists just like lashed onto that and took pieces of them and made it their own and into incredible music that we can enjoy from other artists too. So I think that that's a huge thing that the Beatles brought to music. And then finally, honestly, their musicality. I mean, they were incredible musicians. They would sing. They had incredible harmonies. They had had so much going on. And, and as they evolved and became different, because they did change from their poppy, boppy music and grew into this like eclectic kind of hippie, crazy, psychedelic band, I'm going to admit, not my favorite kind of music from the Beatles, but this is where they went and people loved it. I, I think that the the Stones kind of kind of had one level and they kind of stayed there. They owned that level. But I think that the Beatles have a wider breadth of just all of these things compared to the Stones. So that's why I think the Beatles are better than the Rolling Stones. All right. Well said. Chris, you've got two minutes. Why are the Stones better than the Beatles? Well, before I start, I will say again, this is either or. Two things that we love. And I, I like you, Jimmy. I love the Beatles. I uh, love the Stones as well, too. So. Let's get to it. It, it. it may seem like an insane task to defend the Rolling Stones over the Beatles. And I must admit, when I looked at the Beatles discography, I, I was scared. <laughs> I thought, good Lord, what have I gotten myself into? And I love the Beatles. They are as part of my family as books, as Harry Potter, as chocolate. But Steve, Jimmy, why do we do anything as humans? Why do we climb Mount Everest? Because we can. Why do we fly to the moon? Because we can. Why do we explore the depths of the ocean? Because it is there. And sometimes we must face that impossible task. Steve, cue that soaring rocky music. I know the Beatles have vastly outsold the Stones in worldwide, worldwide album sales. Hell, they have outsold everyone. I know that John and Paul are two of the greatest songwriters of all time. And then you throw in George Harrison and Ringo. I know the Beatles have become so iconic that they still permeate in our lives today. But we, we have to compare ourselves to those masters, to those greats. I mean, Mozart was a genius, but does that mean we can't compare Bach or Beethoven or Brahms? Hey, I'm a Shakespeare guy. I am partial. He is the greatest writer to ever live. But we have to challenge him with Hemingway and Dickinson and Cervantes and Toni Morrison. Simply put, genius is one thing, but the world needs geniuses now more than ever. But sometimes you simply need to rock. You need to crank it up to 10, to 11. Hell, crank it up to 15, okay? And that's what we're going to do. It's hard to crank up that music to Mean Mr. Mustard. Our revolution number nine, number nine, number nine. Or even Rocky Raccoon. 
you know, sometimes I need to get my rocks off. I need to get my yayas out. Nick, Keith, Bill Wyman, Charlie Watts, Brian Jones, later Mick Taylor, Ron Wood, those guys, those guitar-slinging heroes, those rebels, those scoundrels, they became the world's greatest rock and roll band. And I know it's only rock and roll, but I like it, and I need it now more than ever. As much as I love those haunting, reflective melodies of Eleanor Rigby in Yesterday, as much as I love rolling over Beethoven, I'm a street-fighting man. I'm a midnight rambler. I don't want to be respectable. So you know what? Simply put, I can't get no satisfaction in a world where the Beatles go unchallenged. Genius as they are, they have to be rivaled. So, Steve, start me up. Let's crank it out. Let's cruise on over to England and jam with Mick and the Stones. <laughs> well, wow. well done. Well done. Well done. Kaboom. That was beautiful. That yeah. was I held on. Spicoli said it best. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, every week. That's what we that's what he brings, Jimmy. That's that's what we that's what we deal with on this show every week from him. So well done, Chris. Uh, Jimmy, I'm going to start with you. Um, sure. You started by saying you meant to say that the Beatles were revolutionary. You said evolutionary. And I think you're right on both counts. I think the Beatles are both evolutionary and revolutionary. And they certainly did impact music like no other rock band has had at that point and arguably has since. Can you talk about their influence on rock? and how they changed the genre well when they first came out they were they had these catchy pop tunes they really did i want to hold your hand love me do these were great right and we don't think of that as rock and roll nowadays we really don't but back then that was like whoa who are these heathens with these this long hair these these crazy uh, you know off the edge of the world kind of guys but what happened with that was that right there sparked all these other bands, you know, coming out with with their style of their kind of rock, how they wanted to do it. But then the Beatles changed, you know, they went from this, you know, catchy pop tunes. And then you start to get into these other albums like Rubber Soul, where they're coming out with these songs that were just really just deep and layered. And bands realize it's not just going to be drums guitar, bass, and singing. We're going to add other things, keyboards, and we're going to add sound effects. We're going to add just crazy things that you would, a sitar. You never expected these things to come from a rock band. It's like, wait, this is rock and roll? It is. It is rock and roll. Then you take the Stones, okay? They, he was right. Let's rock. You know, if I want to rock, I'm going to crank the Stones. I'm going to roll down my windows. I'm going to, I'm going to, throw my hat out the convertible car and just scream these <laughs> lyrics, right? The Beatles, like he said, you know, me, Mr. Mustard, it's a completely different animal. But I think the impact that the Beatles had on music is a lot more indelible than the Stones. I think the Stones, sure, they affected some bands, uh, but I think the Beatles really impacted just the, the whole landscape of musicality and songwriting and also bringing in different styles and genres in meshing them into one style that was the Beatles sound unmistakable and, and, and Jimmy I agree with you there it's it, when I was going over the again the, the Beatles collection as well too 
right around Beatles for Sale, everything they were redoing, you know, Kansas City Hey Hey and rock and roll music, it sounded like the 50s. But yeah. starting with Help and Rubber Soul and Revolver and Sgt. Pepper's, those things are pure classic. And, and it is, it, I don't think anyone had ever gone there musically. I mean, songs like Norwegian Wood or In My Life, right? You know, mm-hmm. just absolute brilliance. And I agree with you. And I think they encouraged other bands. Even the Rolling Stones started to bring in other forms of music, other forms of instrumentation, knowing we have to somehow match that because it was a, it was a level of genius that per- perhaps will never be rivaled again. I agree. Yeah, and you know, it's funny you talk about that and the the thing that pops into my head, you know, the Beatles were the Beatles, they're the clean cut they didn't consider clean cut band, but they're the clean cut boys. The Stones were the dirty rock and rollers, you know, let's just get down in the mud and play. That was the difference I think between the two. And that's why I think we can appreciate both for who they are, but if we're doing one versus the other, that's why I land on the side of the Beatles, just because of how much they they've evolved and done to music. It's incredible. Chris, how much can you attribute the Stones sort of place in the history of rock to their longevity uh, rather than to the body of their work? I mean, they've been doing this for 50 years, Chris. 50 plus, yeah. right? 50 plus years. Right. You know, it's interesting. When, when you look at the way they evolved as well, too, to, to use that word one more time, I think they first were chasing the Beatles. You know, they had the clean cut look first, too, right? They had the suits that were supposed to match. Um, they spent the first couple of years of uh, their first couple of albums just redoing old, you know, blues songs. They were copying Muddy Waters. They were copying what the Beatles were doing. Matter of fact, even when the Beatles turned psychedelic, the Stones tried to follow suit. And I think it took them a while. I think it took them multiple albums, probably, you know, Beggar's Banquet to to find what they what they were doing. And I do think there's a there's a, a wider variety of, of, of what they produce and the sounds they have uh, as they go along as well, too. But I, but I, I agree with you. You know, to not only stay together for 50 years, but to continue to tour. And and I think part of what makes them the greatest rock and roll band is the fact that they were able to stay on stage just pumping out concert after concert with the same energy they had when they were 26 years old, when they were 66 years old. And I think that's there's a real something to triple to that. I hope I'm still looking like Mick and moving like Mick when I'm that old. You know, it's funny you mentioned that. I, Rolling Stones, could you just go away? Oh, my gosh. You've been around <laughs> way too long. Get out of here. You're done. No, I'm kidding. But that does tell you something about them, the longevity of them staying together, not breaking up, not having, you know, this big political or big, I'm sorry, big public drama that the Beatles had with the breakup and all that. Um, and and you're right. And it's funny, we're talking about the Stones their their musicality like you said you know paint it black when they did start to get a little more psychedelic but then they came back around the beatles never had a chance to do this they came back around with like um what's the album i think it's some tattoo you the album tattoo you with start me up and all these like more poppy catchy Mm -hmm. tunes that really took off and the stones were like here we go again more hits from the stones so who knows honestly we can't ever tell would the Beatles have done this, what the Stones did? So this is something that I think the Stones have on the Beatles, is that their longevity and the fact that they kept coming back in in their, you know, 
104 years old and still putting out tunes that we all want to sing and jump around to. That's incredible to me. Yeah. Who knows if the Beatles could have achieved that? I think even even, even the, the the Stones with the varying types of music they had. Again, they're they're a damn good R and B band. I mean, they re-recorded just my imagination for the Temptations. It's one of my favorite songs off of Some Girls. They have a they have a killer version of Ain't Too Proud to Beg, right? That it just just t- you know takes it to a whole nother level and so they can be a great soul r&b band they can really play the blues one of my favorite albums from the stones is is actually them sitting there with muddy waters and they join muddy waters on stage at a, at a great chicago blues club and they walk in there and do hoochie coochie man they walk in there and do manish boy you know along with buddy guy muddy waters and Junior Wells, and it's fantastic. They belong on that stage recording blues. So I agree with you. I think that in some ways they have that ability to, to turn on different things. The Beatles, every album had 37 different songs. The Stones tend to have three or four that they do and they do well. I see what you're saying. You know, And it's funny you mentioned the whole thing, and then you have Mick Jagger and David Bowie doing Dancing in the Streets. So, <laughs> you know, we're hit and miss here and there. But you're right. I mean, when the, when the Stones went to the blues, they, they own that. You know, the Beatles, you know, get back, get back to where you once belong. They kind of tried to go that route a little bit, but right. they couldn't capture it. I don't think like the Stones captured that whole feel of that blues and, and rock kind of a you know driving. Yeah, it's just, it just wasn't there. So I think your point on there is really good but again again i always fall back to uh what are we going to do when we have to pick a band that we're just going to listen to and you're going to get more of a variety from the beatles versus the stones i think they they start to bleed together to me uh jimmy you started by saying one of the first things you said was uh you know we have to honor or maybe it was chris but talking about the beatles and what uh, amazing song songwriters and musicians they were and certainly uh no one can argue that with the the songwriting acumen of of uh certainly of John Lennon and Paul McCartney i would argue that almost the most important beatle was george martin and i was thinking about this this morning what are the beatles without george martin jimmy mm, wow well i think the beatles without george martin are the rolling stones it's so funny that you said because that's actually the conclusion that i came to they may have been more akin to the rolling stones what if george martin had discovered uh mick and keith in 1963 instead of instead of uh john and john and paul what are they again but anyway no i've never heard of them i i think that the beatles without george martin i think they still would have thrived I think he definitely helped them take it to the next level a lot faster. But I do think there's such and I agree entirely with you, Jimmy. I'm sorry. I was being uh, it glitched out a little bit there. So I didn't mean to talk over there. Apologize. No problem. Um, Anyway, I made my point. I mean, I think that, you know, you mentioned George Martin and him being they always call him the fifth Beatle or whatever. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, that is true. He, He definitely had a huge impact on them succeeding. You know, it's just like any producer, though. He was one where people learned, okay, how important is the producer? You know, Mutt Lang, he produced ACDC. He produced Shania Twain. Those are all huge hits, great sounding songs. So producing earned more respect, I think, 
thanks to George Martin and the Beatles. I think that definitely opened that up for a lot of people too. Cause it was, that was not a thing. I mean, people weren't like, Oh, you know, let's put together some music. Wait, we need an awesome producer. I don't know if that was, I could be wrong, but I don't think that was something that people thought about back then. So the stones who produced them, I couldn't tell you, you might know, but, um, definitely not the same impact that George Martin had with the Beatles, the stones producer, He's not out there as the as the you know the sixth um, Rolling Stone. Chris, if you take the Beatles' best five years and you take the Rolling Stones' best five years, who wins that? <laughs> the Beatles. Their best five <laughs> years is ridiculous. Uh, again, if you go through their entire list of Help, Rubber Soul, Revolver, Sgt. Pepper's, White Album, Abbey Road, Let It Be, I don't think anyone has ever achieved that in, in any form of music ever. Um, and I, and I think your your question, Steve, about would would it be different if if George Martin discovers the Stones first? You know, I, I think the songwriting skills of, of of especially George and John or John and and Paul is unrivaled. Um, there was a great story I came across while, while researching this that, that said that uh, they went to a club where the Stones were playing, and the Stones said, "We're working on this one tune. We're just stuck a little bit." And John and Paul walked in the corner, finished the song in less than an hour, handed it back to them and said, here you go, here's your song. And that's hard to match. I mean, you know, certainly the Stones had, you know, a, a good 10-year period, Beggar's Banquet, mm-hmm. Let It Bleed, Sticky Fingers, Exile on Main Street. That is one of my favorite albums of all time. It's yeah. only rock and roll, Some Girls, which is absolutely brilliant. But again, I don't know if that achieves the same level as the Beatles in those four years. I see where you're coming from with that. I mean, I, 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 you know, I'm going to have to agree since you, you helped me out there, but, but you know, the stones also, again, they stuck around and they decided, you know what, we're going to keep putting out albums and they put out albums, emotional rescue, some girls tattoo you all these albums that they put out later that were pretty incredible. I mean, there's some incredible stuff on there and modern, Stuff, stuff that it's like, okay, well, this doesn't sound like Stones when they were, you know, back doing, you know, mm-hmm. their their stuff from the late sixties, early seventies. So they evolved too, but in a completely different way. And I think that your whole point of, you know, the best five years. Okay, yeah, you're right, you're right. But then again, the Beatles didn't have the next five years because they broke up, so we didn't get the next five years that we got from the stones. I think that's a pretty big thing, pretty big point to make about the stones. And I think the pressure to be a Beatle, you know, it's amazing. They lasted 10 years because (laughs) they, they were the rock and roll anointed gods. Everyone was supposed to follow them. They were expected to be perfect. And, and and so when we, when we have those last images of them, you know, squabbling and, you know, George inviting Eric Clapton into record saying either you let him record or I quit. Right, the whole Yoko, you know, you know, oh. you know, syndrome that they had. Uh. I think a lot of that comes from just the pressure of being a Beatle, and I think in some ways the Stones escaped that. They could, they could just do their thing. They could, you know, they, they could play their music and have a great time, and you know, chug away and enjoy life. And it was, it was freeing for them compared to what the Beatles had. It's true. The Stones, they were the party. They were the party. Mm-hmm. The Beatles were not that. You know, they were fun, but you're right. The, the, the stones were like, okay, what is music for? Think about it. Music is for, I don't want to think about the world. That's where the stones took you. So, you know, that's definitely a big feather in their cap for sure. 
and and they're really funny. I mean, and again, I love the humor of the Beatles. I love Rocky Raccoon, even in its morbid nature. But you know, the the, the Stones are really hilarious. One of my favorite songs is "Far Away Eyes." They do a country westy parody, right? You know, you're you're driving around this down down the, the the highway, and you hear a you know a charlatan preacher, and Mick Jagger in his twangy country voice says, "You know, you always have the Lord by your side." I read twenty. <laughs> I ran twenty red lights in his honor. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Uh, <laughs> you know, they were able to just enjoy themselves in what they were doing. Uh, you know, I was listening to a song with my son today, and and it was it's called Short and Curlies. The first line is, too bad she's got you by the balls. My 15-year-old just died laughing, you know, at, at what was to follow in the song. And so I, I do think that the, the, the humor of the Stones, the looseness of the Stones, allowed them to go places that, 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 that the Beatles were not afforded. Yeah, and the Beatles were great personalities. I mean, you get them off the stage, you get them in front of a mic, they're hilarious, you know, they're they're brilliant. But yeah, I see where you're coming from. The Beatles, you know, the song that kind of got me going on them really heavy, you're going to be surprised, was the song The Night Before. Treat Me Like Ooh, You Did yeah. The Night Before. And that song, when I heard it, I was like, this is really catchy, but it's also not like you know, love me do bouncy. It it like mm. drives, it rocks, you know. And I thought, okay, these guys are pretty incredible. And then the next thing that got to me, my favorite album from the Beatles is Revolver. That's that album just blew my mind. The songs on there, the places they went with that. And I think that, you know, like Taxman, that the guitar solo in that, I've not, no one's ever heard anything like that. That that guitar lead blew everyone's mind they're like what the heck is this and again that whole evolution that whole revolutionary aspect of the beatles and listening to that and then listening to that whole album and the song she said she said yeah there's some psychedelic in there but still it's just a you could you know scream at it sing it you know she said you know it's really awesome so i i think that the beatles songs that do tend to lean to the Rolling Stones kind of driving rock and everything. Mm. I think maybe the Stones got got you know one up on them on that, but still the Beatles have that. It's in there if you really want if you really look for it. Did arena rock exist before the Rolling Stones? I mean, it seemed like as a cultural phenomenon, did it even exist before the Stones? I don't know. The they were Shea Stadiums, right? Be- the Beatles at Shea Stadium isn't that the beginning of arena rock right there? I'm guessing. Mm. I mean, it was so loud they they couldn't even hear themselves sing. Yeah, the screaming was all you heard from them. Um, but that was one concert. That wasn't the Stones. Okay, we're gonna make a gajillion dollars touring because right. they could, and because they were right. They were right in the pocket, man. The way they they fit in with that whole, like you mentioned, the arena rock. They were the perfect band for that. You know, the Beatles aren't going to get up there in an arena and do Eleanor Rigby. It's just not going to happen. <laughs> it's just not going to go off like the Stones singing, you know, Shattered. It's just, yeah. So definitely a different a- animal there. I think what the Rolling Stones did for arena rock in the 70s and 80s, the Beatles did for the concept album, right? I mean, did mm-hmm. did I'll ask the same question in, in a different way. Did the concept album or the idea of a concept album exist before the Beatles? the most obvious one that comes to mind for me is Sergeant Peppers. I mean, did, did right. anything like that exist before the Beatles? I don't, I'm not sure. I don't think so. I don't, I don't think so either. I think Sergeant Peppers, it's, it's a great, I'm glad you brought that up because 
this is how old I am. When CDs first came out, okay, no one had a CD. No one had a CD player. Well, my friend, he had a CD player and no CDs. And we're like, we got to get a CD. So we went together shopping for a CD and we found Sgt. Pepper's CD. And we're like, all right, Beatles, we got to grab this. So we bought that thing. We popped it in. Had a headphone splitter. We were really high tech back then. <laughs> Put these giant nice. cans on our ears, and we sat there chilling out, and we listened to the whole album all the way through once. Took our headphones off and looked at each other and went, "Holy beep! Yeah. Do it again. Put it back to the beginning and listen." And you're right. That was that concept album. That whole the whole album told a story. Think Pink Floyd, The Wall. Mm. Would Pink Floyd, The Wall, have existed without Sgt. Pepper's? I don't know. Yeah, and, and to put them both together, Steve, Steve and Jimmy, you know, I think if you look at the idea of like the the live concert, you know, rock and roll arena band, all of these bands, I think that were influenced by both, right? The Who, Queen, Led Zeppelin, right? The Kinks, I think all of them needed to have that live sound, that rawness of of the Rolling Stones, and it's interesting to put a put put the two together. All of them have their same version of, of that concept album, right? You know, the Who was is it was what's the what's the one? Is it um, Quadrophenia? Quadrophenia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Queen's Night at the Opera, right? Led Zeppelin. Every single album was some kind of concept, right? And and, mm-hmm. I, and I think that that's that's sort of the influence of both as well too. But but that idea of having that rawness, that brilliance on stage. I mean, I think of someone like the Velvet Underground or Iggy Pop, right? Or even David Bowie, who on stage they were able to meld those concepts with the brilliance of a live audience you know screaming thousands and it, it is sort of sad we didn't get the chance to see the beatles really explore that possibility because I, again I, I you know i know that I, I remember reading that uh that john would say we were the best rock and roll band out there when we were in in berlin right we were untouched unrivaled and I think if, we, if the world would have seen that, I, I probably agree with that. Maybe they're we're not even discussing the Stones if we see them live consistently. Well, and it's funny that something that just popped in my head as you're talking. Guess what? The Beatles didn't have a front man. They really didn't. Right. You know, you got Mick Jagger. You talked about all these different bands um, and, and Iggy Pop. You know. They didn't have that. They were a band, you know. They didn't have that personality out there who kind of led the way, Freddie Mercury. And I think that maybe, maybe that's something the Beatles were missing. I don't know. I mean, they, they have so much going for them, and it's like, oh, nuts! If they only had a front man, that would have been better. But who knows? Who knows? They had three front men. <laughs> yeah, pretty well, much. But talk about one of the all-time front men in Mick Jagger. I mean, that guy is unbelievable and chris and i were talking off air before we started recording and that man 15 years ago was 70 years old shaking his stuff like nobody ever has the guy's amazing incredible talent right (laughs) how he keeps going blows my mind you know i'm gonna bring up another artist you you may laugh at me but someone who i've seen in concert several times his name is rick springfield and he's getting close to 70 the dude looks like he's 55 and he rocks. He's literally one of the best concerts I've ever seen. Why? He's an amazing frontman. So, unfortunately, I never had the honor of ever seeing the Beatles live, and probably the majority of the world hasn't. But we've seen the Stones live. We've seen their concerts, their DVDs. We get to experience that live and say, "I want to. I want to be there next time." You know. So, you know, the whole point of the whole live rock 
powerful band that just kicks your ass. That's that's definitely something that people want. And you know, this is great about this podcast. Either or, uh, this is a tough one. Talk just sitting here talking about it. I came in just now going Beatles, and now we're talking. Guess what? I'm going to be listening to after this the Stones probably for the next week. <laughs> we may change the name of the t- of the show to both, right? <laughs> hey, Steve. Yeah, either or. Hey, can I ask you a question, Steve? Yeah, please. So, so you're the musician of the group. You're a drummer, and I asked you this earlier. So, Charlie Watts and, and Ringo Starr, you actually play the drums. Let's let's hear it. Uh, what are your thoughts? Let's put you on the spot for a moment. Oh, we're gonna go. We're gonna go piece by piece here. Okay, can well, we hear this. Well, first of all, two of the luckiest men on the planet. Um, and and I, I don't mean to disparage their the the work they put in and and the the skill level that they were able to achieve. But talk about right place at the right time for both men. Um, I think they're both completely underappreciated as drummers. I mean, they Ringo gets a lot of slack for just keeping a straight four and you know making millions. But I mean, those guys really set the bar high for for. Uh, being able to keep time and for being part of a rock band. I mean, it's the the beats that Ringo and Charlie Watts came up with in the early 60s have been sampled and repeated over and over and over and over again for decades. And they really created something special. And I, I'm more of a Ringo fan, but I mean, Charlie Watts is, is uh, amazing. I mean, I, I love them both. And they both won the lottery, so good for them. <laughs> <laughs> that's that hilarious yeah ringo star you, you don't picture him like doing a drum clinic you know like okay here's how you rock it out but you know where you can't really say okay where's where's ringo's shining moment where is it the yeah. end you know his drum solo in the end doing the kick drum for like yeah, you know right 16 <laughs> so it's really it's really tough it's really tough but you're right you know keeping time and and really just i guess drummers call it being in the pocket where you're just in there just feeling the groove uh, you got to give it to charlie watts too because like chris was saying you've got this blues rhythm and blues band the rolling stones you wouldn't put them two together but they really did have huge influences from that genre so yep. yeah yeah hats off to, to watts for that you can't just plug and play a drummer into a, a band like the Rolling Stones with that swing and the, the bluesy, jazzy groove that they achieve now, especially after 50 years of playing together. I mean, Charlie Watts is the backbone of that band in a lot of ways. Their rhythm section. Yeah. You're right. And, and I actually think in some ways Ringo Starr is he's sort of their version of the Rolling Stones inside the Beatles, right? You know, he... He wasn't the greatest of drummers. He, he humanizes them. Every single album, they gave him one song to sing, right? He's not a great <laughs> singer. He's not a great drummer. But we we love Ringo, right? He he, he can screw up the, the you know the, the notes and we're okay. Octopus's Dark Garden, give me <laughs> more. You know, with a little help from my friends. Ringo is everyone's friend. And so I think that, you know, it would be fun to sort of switch the two. I think Ringo would have fit in perfectly with the Stones. Mm. I, I don't know about that. I don't know if I agree with you on that. I think Watts could probably jump into the Beatles, but uh, swapping those two, hmm, that'd yeah. be that'd be interesting. I wish I had some producing capabilities myself and I could pull some 
Ringo beats and drop him into some stone songs. See how that works. <laughs> I mean, Pete, Pete best, you know, would have been great for either band. Let's face it. Oh, that's true. Pete was just the unluckiest man iconic. on the planet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's a drummer from that thing you do who broke his arm. I feel so bad for him. <laughs> Guys, we've come to the point of the show where uh, it's time for closing arguments and, uh, as uh, we began the show, we will end. Jimmy, you're up first. Uh, your closing argument in favor of the Rolling Stones. Well, I'll start off by saying I really enjoyed this conversation. And even though it is either or Beatles or the Stones, my heart is just wide open for both at this moment. I'm going to have to go back and re-listen. But the Beatles still, if I were to just be pragmatic about this, the ones I'm going to choose to take with me if I'm stranded on a desert island. They are going to have more variety in their repertoire than the Stones, and they're going to keep me sane longer. I mean, look, you go from sad. I'm not in a good mood. I want to be sad, and I want to cry like a little girl. Well, I'm going to put on Eleanor Rigby. I'm going to be sad. You know, the Stones, do they have that? Happy. Good day, sunshine. I'm going to have some fun. I'm going to enjoy myself. I'm going to uplift my spirit. That's the Beatles. Um, let's see. I want to drop some acid. Let's uh, listen to Revolution Number 9. <laughs> you know? They've even got that. So I think listening and looking at these bands together, if, if there's one thing that I'm going to focus on with the Beatles compared to the Stones is just the wider breadth of musical styles, the tastes, the emotions – just the journeys that the Beatles take you on, if you put those headphones on, lean back on the sand, and just listen, you could wake up in the year 2025 because they will take you away and keep you. Whereas the Stones, you're going to jump in your car and you're going to crank up the tunes and you're going to scream their songs as you're driving around, but eventually you're going to run out of gas. So Beatles – Take, I'm taking you with me wherever I go. And that is why the Beatles win over the Stones. Love it. Well said. Well said. All right, Chris, closing argument for the Rolling Stones. Okay, the Beatles. I'll start there. What could I say? Sheer perfection. George Martin, the fifth Beatle. Those recordings from Help On, they are symphonic harmony. They are sheer brilliance. They are as close to musical perfection as we will find. But they stopped touring after six years. They focused only on studio, right? They barely talked to one another. That contentiousness perhaps led to genius. Sgt. Pepper's The White Album, Abbey Road. But you know what? The Beatles, they are that supermodel who has a PhD in, in physics and philosophy. They're tough to approach at the bar. The Stones, <laughs> they're that scantily clad, had a few too many martinis, pretty girl flashing you a smile. Oh, yeah. Let's have a conversation. <laughs> Let's spend the night together, right? They are raucous. They are joyous. They celebrate life. They celebrate rock and roll. And they've done it for 50-plus years. And in some ways, the world needs the Stones. They need to be a rival, a foil, an oppositional equal to the Beatles. If the Beatles are that angelic musical nirvana, the Stones are that equal balance of the scales. Steve, Jimmy, please allow me to introduce myself. I'm a man of wealth and taste. Sympathy for the <laughs> devil. That song clearly establishes them as the contrast to the Beatles. If the Beatles are all harmony, at least musically, 
all perfection. The stones, they are dissonance. They are rebellion. They are jarring energy. They are punk before punk. The stones are not those tortured geniuses. They, they're not the like Sisyphus-like Beatles, you know, struggling just to produce an album. They're just some guys from Kent. They're your pals. They're, they're those rollicking guys at the bar, right? Here's Mick. You know, his dynamic moves, his ass-shaking, booty-quaking, gyrating, guttural voice. Gotta love it. Here's Keith, man. That that cigar, that cigarette is on the top of that, you know, strings of his guitar, and he's just ripping away. Some of the notes are right, some of the notes aren't. <laughs> you know, here's, here's Bill Wyman, right? That booming, booming bass. It wasn't always perfect. It wasn't always clean. But it was raw. It was real. It was fun. So guys, I'll simply say, come on and get on my cloud. Let's paint it black. The Rolling Stones, soul, rhythm, and blues. Crank it up. Go to 15. Let it rip. Love it. Woo! Love it. Man, that was a lot of fun. Well done, Chris. Well done, Jimmy. Thank you. Love uh, it. Jimmy, before we get out of here, where can people find you? Well, uh, a couple places. Uh, first of all, all of my entertainment uh, avenues are located on my website, jloram.com, to host and trivia, karaoke there, DJ and MC. I also uh, do audience warm-up for a show called Outmatched, which is on Fox, and um, they're wrapping up the season here. We're hoping to get renewed, so you may uh, hear about us uh, coming next uh, fall. And that's where I'm located. <laughs> excellent 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 so good to have you on the show thanks a lot you guys both did great now it's up to our listeners so let's get out of here did you ever have to make up your mind to pick up on one and leave the other behind it's not often easy and not often kind did you ever have to make up your mind it is not our abilities that show what we truly are it is our Cake or death? That's a pretty easy question. Anyone can answer that. Cake or death? Uh, cake, please. There can be only one. You don't choose the things you believe in. They choose you. The hardest choices require the strongest will. For the love of God, shut your mouth. Okay, listeners, that's right. It's up to you now to cast your vote for the Beatles or the Rolling Stones. All you need to do is click the link in the episode notes in your podcast app for this episode. You can also find the link on our Facebook page or Twitter at either or show. We're also on Instagram at the same handle at either or show. We're counting on you to help decide which is better, the Beatles or the Stones. So go vote now for Chris and Jimmy. I'm Steve Baldwin. We're minding you. You must choose. Choose wisely.